Hello, Church of the Cross, and hello, Minnesota Deanery, and welcome to the Ninth Avenue Nine. The Lord is risen indeed. I hope you enjoyed Holy Week. What a wonderful celebration of God's magnificent works. Special greetings to those of you in other churches in the deanery. The 25th episode will be featuring a member of Church of the Resurrection. If you're a member of Res and would like to be a guest on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is joel at ofthecross.org. If you haven't had a chance to hear the last show featuring Father Rick Storrs from Restoration Anglican, check it out. I put in a small trivia contest into that show, and I have received only one answer to the question, and it wasn't the correct one. If you have a guess as to who gave Father Rick some generous feedback on his music, drop me a line. Now, on to episode 25. I had a great time talking with Brad Campbell about his picks. Some bands came up that haven't showed up yet, some pretty big names, and some of his picks were great discoveries for me. Since both he and Rick picked Postal Service, spoiler alert, I have enjoyed getting to hear their music, so be sure to check out the Spotify playlist included with the show. And so, without further ado, I give you episode 25, featuring former Cross and current Res member Brad Campbell. For those of you who turned into our last episode, you know that I've started interviewing people outside of our particular church community. The last show was with Father Rick Storrs from Restoration Anglican. Well, last Sunday, I had the opportunity to visit one of our daughter churches, Resur- Resurrection Anglican. They meet in an elementary school up in Brooklyn Center, and my wife Stephanie and I enjoyed the service very much. While there, I was able to see my guest today up front doing the prayers of the people. He and his wife Anna were involved at Cross for many years, and I seem to remember them playing a starring role in one of the vigils a few years back. (laughs) Anyhow, I was at a Minnesota United game with him and Chris Scanlon a couple weeks ago, and I asked him to be on the podcast, and he was very, very interested. And so, here we are. It is my pleasure to welcome to the 9th Avenue Nine, Mr. Brad Campbell. Brad, hello. How's it going? I am doing well. How about you? Doing great. It's so good to have you, and it's this. what's neat about this is... You know, we've we've mixed it up over the years a few times. We've yeah. talked over the years, but mm-hmm. I don't think I know much about your music taste, so it'll be fun to so. hear anything yeah. hear, hear what you have. So, but before we get into the music, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you grew up, mm-hmm. and then a little bit about yourself, and then how you ended up at Church of the Cross, mm-hmm. and how things are going at the new church plant, Resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, whenever people ask me where I'm from, it's a complicated question it shouldn't be but it is <laughs> so i was born outside of seattle washington and okay. um kirkland at i've Ever- heard of kirkland yeah. for one very specific COVID? reason covid <laughs> costco yeah i was thinking exactly. costco but costco. i guess there's covid well too, yeah I was so costco. the hospital that had the very first covid hospitalization in the u.s was the hospital i was born at so oh the there you go medical center but so my dad was an aerospace engineer at Boeing, and that's why I was born out there. He got his MBA and then moved to Minnesota to work for Northwest. Oh, okay. And so I spent my childhood in Minnesota, but then I moved back to go to undergrad in Washington and then came back to Minnesota again. But none of my family's from Minnesota. They're mm-hmm. all from Detroit. Okay. And so it's like, I don't, and it, that's weird in the Midwest. You know, I know yeah. you're not from the Midwest. And so one yeah. of the weirdest things is like coming and it's like everyone is from Minnesota and True. their parents and grandparents and all yeah. that. And so I always felt super kind of out of place in that. We didn't have a cabin. Yeah. We didn't hunt. We didn't <laughs> do all these things. Totally. I had never been on a pair of skis before. I yeah. Moved to now that it's a little unusual because there's a lot of downhill skiing in California, yeah. but mm-hmm. and I'm sure in Washington, yeah, one of those yeah. Ones. But yeah, I had never been on a pair of skis before, yeah. so that was my thing where mm-hmm. I was like totally clueless. Yeah, and even though like I spent my childhood here, it was still like you somewhat feel. I at least had felt out of place, and so that like made me feel connected to the Northwest, and so I kind of like, yeah. ping pong back and forth. 
Um, it's a beautiful part of the country. It is, especially when it's sunny. It is. Yes. It's been, you know, the past couple of days have been looking a lot like what yes. the Northwest is. We've had a pretty kind of dreary gray run. Yeah. Kind of very much like a Portland or Seattle sort, yeah. of, for, sort of weather. Absolutely. So, yeah, a little bit about my background. I grew up Catholic. Um, and so most of the people here, we have some people coming from Catholicism, but it's mostly an mm-hmm. evangelical background. Yes. And so for most people, this is like their first taste of liturgical church. And for me, it's like going much more low church. Sure. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And um, my my mom wasn't raised in any particular faith, like nominally Episcopalian, but my dad was like very hardcore Catholic in okay. Catholic schools. I went to mass every weekend, mm-hmm. um, rosaries on weekdays, all that. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of fell away from my faith for some years and then came back and um, connected. You know, I would have probably continue going to a Catholic church, but kind of went on my own theological exploration. And then I met my wife, Anna, and she grew up, which in a story that is far more typical, I think, of people in our diocese, she grew up evangelical Baptist, um, and she was homeschooled and everything. And, um, you know, I think the culture she was in was very suspicious of Catholicism, you Uh know? Sure. And, um, and so we we were like, you know, the the first couple of years of our marriage, the the big fight, I mean fight, I'm you know argument was church, yeah, and finding a church because for her the most important thing was the sermon, and for me the most important thing was the Eucharist, uh-huh. and we both didn't want to sacrifice either one. She didn't want a ten minute homily, you know, and she would have had to become Catholic. She didn't understand why she couldn't take communion. And I didn't want what I saw as kind of just a symbolic, empty, yeah. you know, version of communion. And um, her brother um, was going to resurrection our cathedral over in Wheaton. Yeah. And so I knew a little bit about the ACNA from there, um, knew about Anglicanism. And so I'm just like, it was literally like our last shot before. Oh. And I'm like, why don't we just try this church? And um, so we tried it. We were living in West St. Paul at the time. And so it was a 30-minute okay. drive. bit of a drive, drive. yeah. Um, we found it, and we've been in ever since. And I think that was what like year was that? Late twenty sixteen, I think. Okay. Because all of our girls have been baptized here. Yep. Um, I've seen my, at least I think two of them. Yeah, yeah. And my oldest is five, so um, she was pregnant with our first when we first started going. Cool. Yeah. Is there much of a? The, I have no idea, but the, I've been to a couple mm-hmm. of Catholic masses mm-hmm. in my time. But is there? I mean, it seems like a couple of times I've been. There have been the one of the Catholic uh, sort of services I went mm-hmm. to was very low church. Yeah, it was like a, an urban setting in San Francisco, and it was like guitars and mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it was still they did mass, they did right. the Eucharist, but yeah. it was so. I mean, did you feel like is there? Do you see that distinction in Catholicism as well to a degree, or is it more uniform? No, one hundred percent. I mean, you see that distinction. That was Vatican II. Sure. Without getting too into it, is what changed things. It yeah. did a lot of liturgical reforms. Um, put the it into the vernacular language, English instead, instead of, of Latin. Latin. Sure. Yeah. Um, and within just like within Protestantism, there's these kind of like fights between mainline and whatever. Yes. Within Catholicism, it's within the same denomination as between traditionalists. So within Catholicism. The fundamentalists are called trads, okay. the traditionalists, sure. yeah. and um, and they think Vatican II is the worst thing ever. Yes, and they so, want Latin back. They want Latin masses, yeah. and, I, and interestingly enough, it's driven by young folks. Oh yeah, and the people who like well, that makes sense to me, yeah. given some of the demographics that we've seen right. with Cross and yeah. you know other things. And so that's what they want. And so the and I grew up in a more contemporary style Catholic church that had yeah. guitars and stuff like that, but. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, I mean, it had still all the liturgy and still, yeah. you know, observed everything and all that. So, cool. so you're right in that that it can. There's a variation. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the the addition of uh, church politics as well. Right? <laughs> exactly. I like it. Um, so let's turn to the music. And um, by the way, uh, so glad you you found yeah. Cross. So glad that you're part of Resurrection. Oh, and how are things going at Res- yeah. Resurrection Anglican? No, it's great. I mean, it was. It was emotional leaving Cross. I mean, I'm sure that anyone who branched out to one of our, you know, sister churches felt the same way. But, um, I mean, just because this is where we felt at home. And it's so Mm -hmm. fascinating because the thing that was just this 
this kind of like thorn between our marriage ended up being like our church communities, our entire social life. Ended up being unifying. Yeah. And so, and we, we didn't know, you know, and interestingly, so Josh, who's the, um, the rector over at Resurrection, he was the first sermon we heard at Cross. Oh, and he was, the sermon was right. on bodily fluids. He was doing, <laughs> I remember that yeah. when it was about Le- Le- in Leviticus. That was our first sermon at Cross. Yes. And, um, but we, we love Josh and, um, and we had a lot of, well, Josh makes it interesting. I mean, <laughs> right. That's the great part of Josh, right? He'll take yeah. that. Yeah. I can't remember. I th- was it, I wonder what the series was. Was that maybe the, the loving the Lord with our body? Maybe. Series? No, it was before that. It was before that. Yeah. Because we had been here a couple of years, I think by the time that. Right. that well, one. Josh drop me an email <laughs> and remind me. Cause I sure remember that sermon. I'm just yeah. trying to place, uh. Where it was, and whenever what, we say it, everyone remembers it. No, but um, totally, but things have been going really well. I mean, we um, our kind of whole life's in that part of the suburbs now. We bought a house specifically with church in mind, That's of great. like moving around there. But things have been going good. I mean, we have a good group of people. I think that we're getting tons of people, you know, in the area. Um, and I think things are flowing. I mean, we're still a church plant, so we're always ad libbing. Mm-hmm. Last week, I helped out on communion. wasn't planned on helping Saw out that. on communion. Yes, I, that I, was yeah. not planned. <laughs> we just didn't have enough people. In time, yeah. we didn't have an usher, and so yeah. Josh just kind of nods at someone in the front row yep. to start ushering. Yeah, give him the signal. But no, things are going well. Yeah, and if any, I'm gonna give this you know podcast mm-hmm. over to Josh and yeah. Jen as well. And if anybody at Res wants to join yeah. me, uh, I mean I know a lot of the people there, but yeah. uh, if anybody who I don't know, that'd be a good way to get to know. I'm trying to make this a little bit more of a deanery thing, sure, so that yeah. folks can we can talk. Right. And I'm sure it'll just be great for a lot of folks to hear how things are going up yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. But let's get to let's the music. You say? Yeah. Let's okay. Do it. So um, for. Those who haven't listened to the show before, especially if you're from Resurrection and this is the first time you've heard the show, here's the concept. The concept is you are uh, locked in the basement at Church of the Cross on 9th Avenue, hence the name 9th <laughs> Avenue 9, for a year, and you're, you can have... Um, Nine albums with you mm-hmm. of your choosing. Of course, there's a kitchen there, so you can eat, mm-hmm. so we're not starving anybody. <laughs> and then at the end of that, uh, I, I sent you a list of the books that people mm-hmm. have left in our library. You get a Bible and a Book of Common Prayer plus those books, and so you can leave a book as well as um, a luxury item. So with that in mind, um, let's get to the music. What's your first album? Yeah, and so um, kind of even thinking about like how I picked this, music's sure. been such an important part of my life, and it, so it was super hard as I'm sure a lot of people it was. And I tried to think about just like phases of my life and going to, um, going to the, what I was listening to at the time. And so I'm going to kind of go through, I think like in that order. So like like sort of, is this chronological then? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and so, and so, so usually I do ask people like, is there a period of life that these come from? uh So this will not be a question, but we'll talk about where this was in your life when we go through each of them. Yeah. It'll be like, probably like, 13 years old through, I mean, up till probably like 24, I'm 31 now, so I guess I stagnated. (laughs) All right, sounds good. um, So the first one we're doing is In Utero by Nirvana. Oh, that, you know what? That's the first Nirvana album that I've heard on the show. I know, which is I was, great because I, that was totally when I when I was growing up. I mean, that was Nirvana was huge when I was in high school and college. So yeah, this great great stuff. I, I mean, I, I I remember many of the cuts on that album. Tell mm-hmm. us why you love it. Yeah, so I mean, so for people who don't know Nirvana, I mean, I think it's it's fascinating. So I work in um in mental health. I'm a social worker and a therapist at a chil- in a children's mental health institution. And you see so many Nirvana and Kurt Cobain shirts, which might make sense in a mental health <laughs> setting. Yeah, but but there's something Nirvana has, in the same way when I was growing up, like everyone had Zeppelin and Floyd t-shirts. And I'm recognizing now that the space between kids and Nirvana is the same as the space between. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> me and like <laughs> 60s and 70s rock. It's totally true. And it's and totally so true. it just shows that they've really taken on that timeless scent. But um but anyway, I thought In Utero was it's their third album, their final album. Nirvana only had three albums. They had Bleach, which most people don't know about, Nevermind, which had Smells Like Teen Spirit and all the big cuts. Yeah. And then In Utero, which it really was a combination of the two. It was a mm-hmm. lot more raw than Nevermind. It, and they did it intentionally, and they talked about that. A lot more distorted, a lot more kind of punky. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I love it. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, should I talk about some of the songs on it? or Please. Yeah. So, um, 
I think the song that I loved right away was Heart Shaped Box. That was the first, uh, I know. I don't know if they called, I can't remember if that was a single at the time, but yeah. I feel like that was the first one that got airplay mm-hmm. after yeah. that album. Which, there's just something about Kurt Cobain's voice in that song. It's just, like, so haunting. And I remember um, some of the, forgive me, but it's yeah. just, this is my college years. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll probably relate some of my own stuff to yeah. him, try to get out of your way a bit, but... Yeah. I remember watching them on Saturday Night Live yeah. right when that album was being released. Mm-hmm. So I was probably, what did it come out, 94? 94, yeah. So or maybe 93, because he died in 94, in April yeah, of 94. Yeah, so he, so he, I was 18, so yeah. I was there, and I remember Charles Barkley was the host. Oh. <laughs> and then Nirvana was the, the, the music, and that was the first song they played. Yeah. And boy, they just, and they had their their other guitarist. Pat they Smear. Pat Smear, yeah. they, they, they had hired him. And they just blew the roof off the place. It was amazing. Yeah. He, uh, uh, yeah. And so that song, so interestingly enough, um, so when MySpace was big, like the first social media precursor, you had like a handle at the top. And mine was eyes me like a Pisces because <laughs> I'm oh, a Pisces. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so the first the first verse it is she eyes me like a Pisces when yeah. I'm weak. I thought like oh my gosh that's the coolest thing. Uh-huh. But so I still think about that. Um, the other one that I really liked was um, let me look at it through. Um, I like Penny Royalty uh-huh, a lot. Sure. That just combined a lot of things. Um, one that I like that one's really loud. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> um, one that is super grungy that I liked is, um, well, I liked, I think it was, is it, yeah, Scentless Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or is that Serves the Servants? The one who says, like, um, teenage angst has paid off well, but now I'm bored and old. I <laughs> Sounds think, like one of his <laughs> right? That could be any song, really, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, but um, I don't know. I just, I think it, in, in utero, I think encapsulates Nirvana's sound. Mm-hmm. And that's why. I really, really liked it. It was recorded in Minnesota, too. Interestingly it really? enough, it was recorded in Cannon Falls. It was April, right, that he mm. passed away? Yeah, it was April. Um, it's coming up right about where we are. Right. April 7th or something? Yeah, something like that in 94. I've made a couple trips to this bench in front of his house in oh. Seattle. that you like. It's like a montage. Kind of a little... Yeah, Shrine. he was kind of my idol growing up. Not a good idol to have growing up. Explains a lot. Well, there was a, it was a lot of people's, and yeah. that was part of what was the hot, the, pro, the hard thing for him. Yeah, right. That day that he died is frozen in my memory. Mm-hmm. I, I remember where I was when I found out. Yeah. I remember going to the the car and listening to the radio mm-hmm. for hours, uh, listening to the DJs and listening yeah. to people call in. Yeah. Um, I remember going home and watching yeah. live from, you know, Unplugged in New yeah. York. They played all apologies. Like, oh, yeah. It was um, it was yeah. a big deal. I mean, I wasn't, I had liked them at the time, yeah. but I wasn't a huge fan. I was still trying to figure out what kind of music right. I should be listening to, if you get my drift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, huge yeah. day. I, I'll never forget it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I lived in Seattle then. I was still young to have a lot of memories. I mean, I was mm-hmm. super young, but, um, but I was... I was in Seattle for the whole grunge period, sure. and we pretty much moved right as grunge. We moved in 95, so right mm-hmm. at the tail end yeah. of grunge. Yeah, All Apologies is a haunting, yeah. really, really Especially haunting song. Yeah. 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 Okay, so well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a classic. Yeah. What's number two? Two is in a very similar vein. So after I, Nirvana was like my first real favorite band. And then I got into the Chili Peppers. And I don't think we have a Chili Peppers album on here either. We don't. So I chose Californication. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know a lot of the uh, the cuts from that one. Uh, I know the title track. Yeah. So um, Scar Tissues. Oh, is that on that one? That's on Californication. Sure. Other Side's another big one. That's on there. I think you'd remember it if, if it heard, came if on. It. Sure. Um, that's most of the the big tracks on there. But it was... So Californication was the return of John Fushante. So, well, now he returned again. He keeps going back and forth. But Well, it's been a revolving door with them, I know. Except for Flea and uh, Anthony Cletus. Yeah. I feel like that's been one of the... Right. Has the drummer stayed Chad, Yeah, Chad Smith's been there since Mother's oh, yeah, Milk, which was in the like, 80s. Exactly. Yeah, it's, like, it's been guitarists that... But Fushante has... He's a genius. Uh-huh. And um, for all their big albums, it's Fushante. So okay. they had... Blood Sugar Sex Magic was their 91 album, which 91, shout out to 1991 for music, <laughs> because so many, 
But Never mind. Bloodshaker Sex Magic 10 by Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, a lot of like 90s hip hop came out in 91. Like a lot okay. of the LA scene. Yeah, NWA. Yeah, was coming out in yeah. 91. So it was kind of like right as alternative music and hip hop were coming out and it just yep. coalesced then. Um, but so they came out with Bloodshaker Sex Magic. That had like Under the Bridge and like the mm-hmm. big hits. Under the Bridge is a beautiful one. Yeah. And then John Fushani left. And went into a period of severe addiction, and they had Dave Navarro step sure, in for one yeah, hot minute, of course. Mm-hmm. and that kind of tanked. <laughs> <laughs> and then John Fushani came back in '99 for uh, Californication, and it to me it seems like it's this perfect transition album between because if you listen to old Chili Peppers and new Chili Peppers, it's like a different band. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were very funk punk not serious at all with mm-hmm. their first like four albums um just joking around anthony kiedis did not know how to sing mm-hmm. he was kind of just a hype man mm-hmm. and um californication was the other than with the exception of under the bridge on blood sugar californication was the first time that they were really bringing melody mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. still had some of their like old style so like i like dirt is on here, mm-hmm. and so that kind of is a shout out to their old, mm-hmm. their old sort of stuff. But um, but I mean, it's a classic. I might need to just put that see if it's on my Amazon Music. I've just not listened to it. Chili Peppers were not were one of those where I listen. I listened to um, an alternative rock station quite a bit in L.A. where I yeah. grew up, and so they were on there. But I never listened to their albums. Yeah, you know what I mean. I got deep, deep into Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. and they kind of go... It's weird, because they sound nothing like Nirvana, but they get yeah. looped together a lot. Well, it's an L.A. band. I think some of it is that. Yeah. an L.A. band. So right. yeah, a little bit of the punk, post-punk yeah. kind of... Yeah. Same sort of thing. There was a 91 tour that had Chili Peppers headlining, Nirvana being the middle act, and Pearl, Pearl Jam being the I remember that. Act. I didn't go, but <laughs> I remember that. So that's my second one. Oh, uh, yeah. What's number three? Third one is the Postal Service album. Postal Service. And uh, I have, uh, give which, up. what's it called? Give, give up. up. I just interviewed uh, Rick Stores, and, and he had a Postal Service album as well. That's did their you, only did one. Did you see that? I didn't see that, and that's their only one, so. Yeah, give up, yep. Yep. So now there are two, two in a row. It's yeah. It's like streak. Tell me what you love about it. Oh my gosh. This, this album came out in 2003, I think, and that's when I listen to it okay um and so now we're like up to like when it came out and i listened to it and i have no idea that type of music at least in my estimation like growing up i hadn't heard music like that where it was like an indie singer so it's ben gibbard the lead singer of death cab for cutie and okay jimmy tamborello which is he's part of this electronic group called dintel mm-hmm. and um did, did Rick tell you the story behind why they're called the Postal Service? I don't think he did. So they, Ben Gibbard and Death Cab, they're from Seattle, and Jimmy Tamarillo is from um, L.A. And so Jimmy would send, like, the electronic beats mm-hmm. via the Postal Service okay. to Ben Gibbard, who uh-huh. would put down vocals, and they didn't really ever even, they didn't do a lot of meeting in person. They uh-huh. were just literally shipping these things back and forth through the mm-hmm. Postal Service. Oh, that's And funny. so that's the name of it. Hence the name. Um, so it was just two of them then? It was just two of them. Okay. Um, Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie did some vocals on okay. it. Um, but but yeah, so I listen, man, this is still, this album honestly is probably the album I've listened to the most in my life. And okay. they've made one album. That's it. Oh, okay. And um, so some of the ones on here that I really like, um, The District Sleeps Alone Tonight, which is the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the God, cuts that Rick I wish had. I could, like, play it. <laughs> I wish I know that would be a copyright thing, but mm-hmm. just, like, the way his voice syncs up with the electronic beats is just, like, perfect, and mm-hmm. its build-up is so amazing. Yeah. Um, Such Great Heights is the the big one that was kind of, like, mm-hmm. that everyone mm-hmm. had heard and everything. It was on um, Garden State with Zach Efron. Oh, sure. Or not Zach Efron. Zach Braff, right? Yes. I forget. Yeah. Yes. The, now, the guy uh, from Scrubs. Yeah, and what was uh, Natalie Portman? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so people got to know it with that. Um, the album or the song that I really connected with is called "This Place Is a Prison." Okay. Um, you know, so that's great <laughs> in terms yeah. of uplifting. Sounds Gone from great, Nirvana yeah. to "This Place Is a Prison." Absolutely. But there's this one phrase in it that really connected with me, and so it was um, because, as I said in the very beginning, I felt like. 
constantly called back to the Northwest. Mm-hmm. And really the only reason that I, and Anna's going to listen to this and kill me, but the only reason I'm still in Minnesota right now is Anna would not like the Northwest weather. <laughs> and like, I, I'm fine here. I like it in Minnesota. I'm happy at it. Anna, don't, whatever. You're not holding me back. But, um. So she's from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, people can't. People like the idea of the Pacific Northwest, but you can go 45 days without seeing the sun. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But anyway, so the, the lyric goes, and you may case the grounds from the Cascades to Puget Sound, but you are not permitted to leave. Mm-hmm. And so people that don't know the Northwest, the Puget Sound is it's a, basically this like fjord or inlet that kind of goes to the Pacific Ocean. And then the Cascade Mountains in Seattle and all the cities in Washington, in Western Washington, are this like just strip of I-5. Mm-hmm. Or you guys would call it the I-5 in LA. I call it the 5. Yeah. <laughs> the 5, yeah. The so five. in the I-5 and um, very thin. And so just this image of like you can't get out of this area. And mm-hmm. I felt like that, like this constant drying back, like I'm, mm-hmm. I can't. And here I am, having left. But and the name of the MLS soccer team from Seattle is? Uh, I'm not going to speak their name because they just beat the Williams, <laughs> the Seattle Sounders. Sounders. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day when yeah. I was seeing that. Then and that's like, why oh, that's Puget Sound. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it is. Well, sorry to bring up a painful, <laughs> painful memory. Hopefully, there's no scar tissue <laughs> to, to make reference <laughs> to. Album we just oh, did. I love it. All right. Well, we have gone through three albums. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with your next three. We're back with uh, Brad Campbell, sitting here in my office on a Wednesday night. Dreary uh, Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. style. Feels like home. Wednesday night feels mm-hmm. like home, of course. I uh, was really uh, appreciated being able to hear a little bit about, about what's going on at Resurrection Anglican. And then to reminisce about some of those those first couple albums you mentioned. <laughs> just take me back right to my high school and college days. Yeah. So that was really fu- really fun. So with that in mind, what's your fourth album yeah you could take it to your sojourn into the right so now we're going into 2005 and i realized that with the exception of the um nirvana and the red hot shelly peppers most of mine are going to be in the early 2000s which was when i was a teenager okay um this is bright eyes i'm wide awake it's morning bright eyes is the the album the name of the band okay i'm wide i'm wide awake it's morning um they are a or he. It's I mean mostly he. His Conor Burst is the oh, kind yeah, of yeah, prodigy yeah. of name. Bright yeah. Eyes. His first he made his first record at thirteen years old. So he made this. In two Didn't years. we all? Though? Right, of course, you know. And so this is like his what ninth record, and he was twenty five or something when he made this. Yeah. Um. But so it was. It's a super folksy album. So he actually, he released I'm Wide Awake It's Morning and two albums at the same time. The other one was Digital Ash and a Digital Urn. Mm-hmm. And that one um, was Electronic. Okay. And um, this one actually has Emmylou Harris on it as well. One of my favorite artists. Yeah. Yeah. So she does like backing vocals on a okay. lot of these tracks. Oh, really? So is this, is is I'm Wide Awake It's Morning... A song as well? It's not. Okay. Wait, actually, matter. No, no, it's... Because I just feel like I, you know, maybe I, I feel like maybe I've heard a song with that title. No, I think I, Road to Joy is the name of the song where they talk about it. The main song, and this isn't one I'm choosing for this, but the main song that people know on that is First Day of My Life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. That was kind of like the, the or, or Luau. Um, but this album was when I was like a moody... 15, 16 year old. Got it. And it like, it was, so the early 2000s were like when emo was really coming Mm -hmm. into its thing. But it was, that was like more in like a hard rock and Bright Eyes was like the folk version of emo. (laughs) And, um, and people made comparisons to Bob Dylan with this album, which is a big statement. And I don't think one he would agree with, (laughs) but, um, I, but it's You're talking it, Bob Dylan or Conor Oberst would agree. I don't. Yeah, who knows <laughs> Bob what Dylan Bob Dylan would say? I mean, I think Conor Oberst that'd just be a that's a statement. You know, anytime yeah, you be compared to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just really introspective lyrics, um, mm-hmm. folk, um, just just yeah, the emphasis on the lyrics, yeah. some on social commentary. It was you know '05, so it was at the height of kind of the Iraq War and things that were going on. Um, in the Bush administration and his thoughts on that. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah, so um, the ones, the main kind of cuts on this one would be Luau, which is probably Bright Eyes' most popular song. It's been covered a lot by, like, contemporary folk artists like First Aid Kit and others. Okay. Um, but it's, man, it's just, it's a fantastic song. Okay. And it's, like, it's just, like, emotionally devastating. It's super like nothing really like kind of lo-fi it's just a simple chords on a guitar and mm-hmm. just it's all focused on the lyrics and then the other one which is very different is called another traveling song and this is about kind of life on as a touring musician mm-hmm. and um it's kind of just raucous and rolling and yeah so i still man i bright eyes is like a go-to for mm-hmm. me all the time like i'll listen to this album do you listen to music much with your uh your family um with anna yeah mm-hmm. we she thinks that everything i like is too sad from my <laughs> and we'll get to that with with maybe books and other stuff yeah. but yeah. but from my movies to my <laughs> music to my work <laughs> to my <laughs> yeah you're trying. anything the social work yeah so, exactly yeah, totally. but yeah. um i'm just drawn drawn to that it's just it's it's real to me in, mm-hmm. in a particular way yeah so that yeah that's connor Oberst. you know it's funny when i do show when i've done these shows you'll be the i think 25th yeah. i've done and one of the things that's really interesting like as from like i don't know what mm-hmm. you would call it like a you know concentric circles yeah. kind of thing that there are certain artists that you know there's certain artists that are in the middle for me yeah that i really love and then you get you go out and there's these artists that I've just heard brought yeah. up in so many different circles mm-hmm. that I'm in and I haven't ever and Connor Oberst right. is definitely one of those artists yeah. where I've heard his name a lot yeah. but I've never right. I've never really listened to it. There's so much music out there. Yeah. So you'll have to check out yeah. those two songs for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, what's number five? Yeah, let's see which one I should choose. I'll go Uh-oh, with you're still making up your mind, huh? Well, I got the albums. I'm trying oh, to think okay. about order. Which order? Um this is going to be um, Iron and Wine, uh-huh. and Our Endless Numbered Days is the name of the album. Iron Wine, another one that's in that concentric uh, circle. Uh, I've definitely heard a few, uh, a few of their songs. They did that cover of the. They did a cover New of or- Such Great Heights too. They did a cover of a which song was it? I don't know. Oh, there was a song. What are we? Was... was it the Trapeze? Swinger was that? Oh, I don't know if that was original. No, it was the one about I want to see my wife. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't. Yes. And it was like a New Order song, I think. Seriously, you I think did it was it like so a good. New Order, and it was beautiful. Yeah. It was really when great. I come from the state yeah, yeah. I am. I am come from the land of the sun, fighting wars. It was yeah, striking. Yeah. And I think that when I listened to the original version, it's so electronic because it's a 80s right. uh, song yeah and it's beautiful that one's great too but just how stark the iron and wine version of yeah. it is so anyway talk to yeah. us about what was the name of the album again our endless numbered days yeah um so iron and wine is again it's a guy that's just what he goes under but named sam beam Mm-hmm. And if you look at him, he has a beard. You can't see my hands, <laughs> but it's down past his, yeah. you know, down to his stomach. Sure. And he's got, like, a master in fine arts, and he's from the South and, like, had taught at a college and stuff like uh-huh. that. I think I, I could be making this up. I don't think I am, though. Like, prior to starting his music mm-hmm. career. And then just... <laughs> I'm the only fact-checking exercise you've got here, yeah. Brad, so you're making Well, someone this is Wikipediaing yeah, yeah, this right now. Hopefully the lawyers in Church of the Cross... We, oh my have, gosh. we have a few lawyers who attend Church of the Cross, and hopefully they're just... They're gonna, he's going to come after me. I'm sure he's listening to this. <laughs> um, but, gosh, it's just like... It's something about his voice. I mean, I'm drawn to folk music in general and just simplicity and a focus on lyricism. Yes. yes. Um, he's from the South, and he's got this, like, it's not like a Leonard Skinner type <laughs> thing, mm-hmm. but there, I can hear the South in his music sure. in a certain way. Sure. Um, Have you ever listened to much to Jason Isbell? Oh, God, I love him. So kind of like that, would you yeah, say? Yeah, Jason Isbell's a little bit... He's he's like more he's I wouldn't say louder, he's but he's it's got like more. He does have some electronic songs to yeah, it, I guess. To, yeah. yeah, but what what's the name of that album that Jason Isbell? God, he's got a bunch, but um, 
I forget. That he has an album that could have made my list. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just got into him a couple years ago. I mm-hmm. love Jason Isbell. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so some of the ones on this I would put down Sodom South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Sodom spelt like the Bible. <laughs> Sodom. <Yeah. laughs> And um, sounds like a positive view of, of Georgia. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting because it has zero to do like it's, okay. a, it's more of a commentary on like life, like yeah. and it, it has nothing to do with a commentary on Georgia. <laughs> it's not like Southern Man or something like that. Uh, um, yeah, good old Neil. And then, um, and then I would go with um, Cinder and Smoke. Okay. And he just has a a way of naming things like yeah. i just like the name iron and wine mm-hmm. it's a literary reference that i don't know what it is but mm-hmm. um cinder and smoke um i don't know he's got a lot of good stuff and so i'd check and it how out how many albums has he done a ton it feels like it's he's been yeah. pretty prolific i, feel I like think I'm... this one was oh three okay um and he's been making them since he got a little bit more electronic uh-huh. And recent, you know, so we can do like a Bob Dylan, Calm Judas type thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, let's get, we collect, yeah, we collect those, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, um, but he's so good. Yeah. Okay. He's, right. so many of my records are actually on Sub Pop, the record label, and like going okay. from Nirvana, which got started on Sub Pop and was like the grunge album. To Bleach? And, yeah, Bleach was on there. And now, like, um, they're kind of like this indie folk. Okay. Record Who else is on that label? Fleet Foxes, I think, were on uh-huh. there. Um, Father John Misty, I think, for uh-huh. a while was uh-huh. on there. Um, Head in the Heart was on there. Uh-huh. Um, tons, like yeah, so many those, indie I've folk heard of all people those, are yeah. yeah on there. I think Postal Service was Sub Pop as well. Okay, might have been. Death Cab, I think, was on Sub Pop at least for one point or another. Right. I think Didn't Tell was anyway. <laughs> all right, what's number six? All right, and I'm, I would think this is already on there, but um, Boney Vare's for Emma Forever Ago. Uh, what do you mean it's already on there? And the, I would, is I it not, you bon- haven't had I a, have a, not a Bon Iver reference yet. No. Really? What's oh, the name of the man. album again? I remember. For, for, for Emma? Yeah. Forever Ago. That's their, that's their, their uh, OG album, album right? yeah. 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 And the one that has all the mystique behind it. Um, I'll just briefly. One I need to dive into. Yeah. I, I have not... I've I have it on their vinyl. second one. Yeah, Bone, the, the self-titled. The Bone of Air. And then I have their third one on a record. Yeah, their um, new stuff is interesting, to say the least. A lot of sampling. Which it's n- not for this. He did it all himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole thing was he recorded it in a hunting shack in northern Wisconsin in a winter. Mm-hmm. He had, like, a breakup, and he had some, like, bad liver disease that he had just gotten over. And so Bon Iver, I think it's spelled... So it's good winter in French. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think that Iver, H-I-V-E-R, is what it is in French. Mm-hmm. And, and it's he, just I-V-R. Yeah, and what he said was, with the H, for some reason, it seemed it looked too much like liver for him. And uh-huh. he was getting over this liver thing, so he just dropped the H. Um, but nobody, he made that whole album to, like, get over a breakup, uh-huh. and, um, and it came out in... With a person named Emma. Maybe. If, if he was that, like... <laughs> Maybe. If, if, he, if he was that direct, man. Um, it came out in 07... Oh, wait, I think. Was it that late? What sure. was, what, yeah, because the self-titled was... That's, yeah, no, like because that was 2011. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was a big deal. When yeah, that came that out, came out when I was in college, and we bought the vinyl, and all my friends and I just sat around and just, like, listened mm-hmm. to it on vinyl. And I have for Emma on vinyl, and it's a good album to have on vinyl because it's not meant to be polished, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. it's meant to just kind of have it. I'm wondering if, like, if I, you know, I've talked to lawyers on this show. I wonder if it would be okay at some point for me to just be playing a record in the background just while the podcast is on because I'm here in my office here and I'm just showing Brad the fact that I have a record player I should have brought some of these yeah and I've got a few I got a few stashed under here so maybe next time I see you next time you come to Resurrection Hall maybe I should consult (laughs) with one of the attorneys here at Cross and see if it would be okay for me to play a record in the background absolutely there you go just happen to have one on happen to have one and just see um, so what are a couple of cuts from yeah. For Emma? So 
I'm not gonna go with Skinny Love, and that's not because I'm. That's like the main the main song that people would have heard. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna go with um, for Emma, mm-hmm. and the um, song Flume, F L U M E. Another one that uh, I've just never dug into. I know that every time the current does yeah. lists of albums. Mm-hmm. This one's always near the top. And it's one of those albums that... So I don't... This is kind of like inside indie music discussion, but the the website Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Pitchfork at all? No, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so it's like a snobbish indie music kind of rating. Okay. Like, oh, sure. And, and like mm-hmm. they, they take pride in being kind of snobbish. And it's... For Emma is one of those albums that transcends, like, even Pitchfork, like, mm-hmm. where Pitchfork gave it a phenomenal rating down to probably, like, I imagine Rolling Stone and others probably gave it a good rating, too, mm-hmm. but it's just, mm-hmm. like, so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Like I said, I've heard, I've heard it come up a lot. It came out right as I was br- breaking up with my high school girlfriend who I dated for, like, three years. And oh, it perfect. Came out so you were able to just go to a cabin yourself and listen to I, it. I, like, just went to the top of the <laughs> hill and just, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So is it just him and a guitar, or does he do yeah. a lot of... Because so much... What I'm used to with listening to them is a, a lot more of a... Sort of an... Not electric sound, but definitely some more of... Yeah, you know, no. Sound effects with, like, Max and... Yeah, like none that. of that. Yeah, none of that him. at all. Because when we... When his self-titled came out, I remember the first time we heard, like, a drum or something. We're like, oh, my gosh, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. Okay. He looped over himself, so it sounds like there's a lot of people singing at different parts, and it's uh-huh. all him. But in terms of instrumentation, I think it's his voice and a guitar, and that's it. Mm. All right. Well, that is six albums. We will take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about your last three as well as your luxury item and book. And we're back, and we're having a great time. Uh, You know, some very... uh, Lighthearted music, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd say, uh, going from Nirvana. Yeah. To I guess the Chili Peppers, chili peppers might be are the, the most only lighthearted that we've, we've had so far. Um, couple questions before mm-hmm. we get it all. Um, I'm fascinated by vocation, mm-hmm. and so you you mentioned you're a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, how does tell me tell me maybe in a couple minutes? I mean, I don't want the podcast mm-hmm. to be too long, but. Tell me about that work and how you see the Lord working in mm-hmm. what you do day in and day out. Yeah. I think, first of all, I feel so blessed to have known what I was called to do yeah. pretty much, I mean, very at a very young age. Um, and so I'm in recovery from addiction, been sober now for eight years, mm-hmm. and um, even in the midst of my use, I knew that a, there's a piece of me that I was like, eventually I'm going to get over this and help mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that that was the case. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I, so yeah, so I say I've been, I've been in recovery for 10 years and it took me a couple years to like find permanent sobriety. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, yeah, I just dove into it. I got my, um, undergrad in sociology, my master's in social work. And, um, where did you get those? I got my, finished my undergrad at Augsburg. That was actually the reason Mm -hmm. that I came back to Minnesota last time was to get sober. Augsburg has something called the step up program, which is, um, a collegiate recovery program. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got my master's degree from Catholic university of America, which Mm -hmm. is a school in DC. I did their online clinical program. Um, and so, so I was able to, do a lot of work. I worked for five years on North Minneapolis doing homeless case management. And I uh-huh. supervised a prisoner reentry program. Okay. And then I kind of got more into clinical mental health field, and I did individual therapy, which I still do a little bit. Um, I see six cl- clients in the evenings for individual therapy, but now working with kids at Prairie Care. I worked for a year at the psychiatric hospital in Brooklyn Park, and now I'm at the partial hospital doing I'm a hybrid social worker therapist so I help out on the social work and therapy team but um man where I see the the Lord's work is I mean it's like it's hard to know where I don't see the Lord's work but Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where it's like you see the devil's work in terms of like kids don't end up in a psychiatric hospital in most cases unless they've just had some significant significant trauma yeah and so you just see just 
Josh talks about, Pastor Josh talks about the ripples of sin. Yes. And how it ripples out and impacts other things. And mm-hmm. you just see that, how, like, just generational trauma has an impact. Mm-hmm. But within that, that's where grace abounds the most. Yeah. And I, they're just, like, I just feel so blessed. I mean, not only for the clarity of vocation. Like, I've never once in my life been like, eh, should I be doing something else? Which I know is not necessarily the most common yeah. thing to have that clarity and so it's like been oh my gosh and then the um the the second thing is the opportunities to to meet people and hear their stories in such an intimate way yeah it's such an honor yeah. you know like to to be with people at especially when i was working at the inpatient psychiatric hospital at the worst time of their lives yeah. you know mm-hmm. but it's such an honor to get like a glimpse into that and so you just see this, these insights happening and obviously it's not all the time you know i mean these things are hard but there are times when you're just like oh my gosh like i did not think i'd see restoration like that that's awesome yeah that's great well um thank you for the work you do i think that sometimes uh, I don't know how it's how I know that the evangelical church in America is getting tuned in more to vocation yeah. and the importance of it. And I am encouraged by what you're saying, and I'm encouraged by the fact that you were the Lord's hands yeah. and and feet thank in you. that in the worlds where you're in. So yeah. thank you for your work. Um, so back to uh, the music to ask you. Did you have, uh, as you were getting down to these nine albums, did you have, uh, what were your criteria or what What did you, what kind of uh, method did you have to mm-hmm. get it down to nine? Because mm-hmm. I know for me, uh, if you ever want to listen, Christian mm-hmm. interviewed me, I interviewed mm-hmm. Christian. I had I had to really think through, okay, why does this yeah. album matter to me? And if, probably if, you, if I did it again, mm-hmm. I'd probably have one or two that were different. But what was your thinking yeah. in terms of narrowing them down here? Right. I mean, it was hard. Yeah, I mean, music's <clears throat> been such an instrumental part of my life. And so I tried to look through just time periods mm-hmm. and, like, what was the most influential group in some cases so yeah. in, like, and what was the album I liked the most. Or it might have been an album. And so it was so clear I needed Nirvana and the Chili Peppers on there because they yeah. made such an impact in my life. Yeah. And then I kind of got into, like, this more indie kind of folksy phase mm-hmm. and thinking about the ones that stood out there. And so thinking, like, Jason Isbell um, isn't on there, I think, because I had this sort of, like, waiting period before, like, you'll have it with and Catholicism with saints. Like, we got to wait a little bit of time uh-huh. to see, sure. like, yes. do they stand up to the test yeah, of time? Like John Paul II still got to give him some time. Yeah, but I mean, saint. but he got in there pretty dang quickly. Is he a saint to, already? Yeah. Okay. He got, I mean, I, I remember that process, but I didn't And he only he died in, like, I think, 05 or something yeah. like that. And he was canonized a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so he got the fast track. But, um... <laughs> fast track. <the> same <laughs> some it takes 200, 300 years. Sure. Um, but no, but... And and so that's kind of what I did. Um, and so we'll get to my last one, but that album I got into three or four years ago. Southeastern? That was the, no. Or, and so that's not in the list. Oh, the, the last... Yeah, okay, the last yeah, that's yeah, on the yeah, list. Yeah, the last um, one's on the list. And so anyway, and so I tried to track my, like, musical progression. The only musical... Um, or the the only genre that's not on here that I do like is independent hip hop, and there's mm-hmm. no hip hop okay. on here artist wise because mm-hmm. um, I just didn't know where to place it. But yeah. that's a genre that's not represented on here that I am into. Okay, so what's uh, number seven? Yeah, so this one I would love if someone knew. I don't think we will have anyone, but is a um, producer called New Chaves. Uh huh. So that is N U J A B E S for listeners to look up. He is a Japanese producer that makes jazzy, like, lo-fi hip-hop beats. Mm -hmm. And so this is before, so it's big right now is, like, chill hop or lo-fi for, Mm -hmm. like, beats. So him and the producer Jay Dilla, who is from Detroit, are, like, the two people, I would argue, who started that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, chill hop and lo-fi beats. Mm -hmm. Um... And it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so, it's just, it's based in jazz kind of beats, like, mm-hmm. reminiscent of early 90s New York hip-hop, like, mm-hmm. more, um, like, Nas beats in the beginning. But, um, mm-hmm. and he 
there's some hip-hop on it. So the artist is Metaphorical Music. Mm-hmm. Is what and Nujabis is the name of the album? Is the, no, Metaphorical Music is the name of the album. Nujabis is the name of the artist, and he's the one who makes the beat. So there's some rappers on there, and they're not any names that people would know. Um, mm-hmm. Even in, like, Underground, they, they mostly just work with him. Um, and then some instrumental just beats on there as well. So how like, many? How did you come into contact with this music? I... Where'd you first Yeah, one of my buddies in college listened to him, and he was big into electronic music, and uh-huh. I always loved that type of beat, and it was great for studying yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so to this day, like, when I have to do documentation or noting or something like that, I am always listening to just lo-fi and, like, mm-hmm. chill hop beats, um, and he's kind of the, the OG of that. So in thinking about... What would be a good song for that? I think that um, Letter from Yokosuka, and Yokosuka, I'm probably mispronouncing that because it's a Japanese city, I imagine, is Y-O-K-O-S-U-K-A. And then um, I would go with um, Highs to Lows, and 2 is the letter 2. Well, you're definitely right that I haven't heard of them, so that'll be <laughs> that'll be an, another fun one to to interact with. What's number eight? Trampled by Turtles, um, and the album is called Duluth. Oh man, <laughs> Trampled's uh, been on here, right? Trampled has Trampled is one of my favorite. I mean, if you if you if I was gonna if I was gonna um, uh, if I was gonna say what's a current band that yeah. I listen to a lot, this would be it. And Duluth. Um, has a couple of songs on it that I really like a lot. Yeah. Um, talk to us about, let's talk about Trample by Turtles. Oh what do you gosh. love about Trample by Turtles? They were my first foray into, like, bluegrass. Uh-huh. And they're just so good. Yeah. And just the Minnesota, I got into them in Washington from a Washington friend, which I found to be somewhat ironic considering he turned me on to a Minnesota band. Uh-huh, sure. Um, and... I, I don't know. They just, like, hit me in a certain way. Like, I yeah. love them. I've They're the band I've actually seen the most live. How many, many times, times have you seen them? Like, five or six. And then mm-hmm. twice in Duluth, which is always oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, which they're from Duluth. Yep. Um, the albums on there that I, or the songs on there that I really like are Empire. Mm-hmm. And probably Darkness in the Light. Yeah. Duluth's a great That's song, That's the one that too. begins about the... The uh, being Colorado, yeah, yeah. Minnesota's sun, Minnesota's yeah. yeah, yeah. I I um I just saw them a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I took my boys to Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, they did two nights at a place called the Sylvie. Okay, and they did uh, two of their albums so straight through. Yeah, uh, and it was a small venue. Yeah, and it was. Fantastic. It was they're amazing. So they did so Palomino and uh-huh. Stars and Satellites. They did okay. the whole album. Palomino is another great album. That'd probably be my second favorite. But some they the... did some cuts from Duluth. They did Darkness mm-hmm. in the Light. They did um, Duluth. Yeah, that's just a sad um, yeah. one. <laughs> um, I feel like they might have done a few more, too. I think they did one called Truck. Yeah, is that? Is oh, that yeah, that, that is on there. You're yeah, right. It was You're just right. an instrumental. Yeah. It was one of their encore pieces. Yeah. Um, tell me about the experience of seeing them live. I mean, I've done it a few times myself, but I mean, what what would you say about it? It's good. Um, I mean, Trampled gets a weird group of people. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Because y'all have like clean cut, Mm -hmm. like uh, when I saw them in Duluth the first time, there was like this very clean cut older couple next to these like hippies that were like dancing and like next to like younger folks um where did you see them in duluth i forget it was in i don't know duluth venues that much it was in like on the pier what's that main area deck i think Uh the dcc oh yeah 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 yeah. i saw the ava brothers yeah and then i think the um they do a bayfront I saw them there, too. Did you? Okay, because they're doing another one this summer. And then I went to both, um, saw them at Festival Palomino, which they created Uh at their inaugural in 2014, and then in 2015 as well. And I forget other times I've seen them. There are bands that you watch um, where the strong point is, you know, interaction with the crowd. Yeah. 
uh, there are other bands that you watch that you, the musicianship mm-hmm. is so great. And that's what I think about them. Yeah. And interestingly, when I saw them last month at the Sylvie or yeah. mid-February, one of the things that was interesting about seeing them is how much more Dave Simonette interacted. Mm-hmm. And I think you could just get that sense that they just missed being on the road so much. Sure. And so they were, he was very chatty. Yeah. It was very interesting. And, and we were right in front. We yeah. were like, and just right there. And they were amazing. Just the musicianship and the how much they shred on the, the banjo so and the hard. violin and the mandolin. Yeah. It was amazing. And they're not these, like, Brad Pitt-looking <laughs> set. Like, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, like, these are yeah, some... Yeah. These dudes aren't doing anything to try to be these glamorous... <laughs> Matinee but, yeah. but, yeah, it was... They, they are... The other thing that I... I think I even said this on one of the other shows when when somebody brought up a trampled album, it's just how much their, their music just sounds like the North Shore. Yeah, I just love that about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, when I drive, when I listen to their music mm-hmm. up on the North Shore, it just fits. Yeah, it's beautiful. I can totally see that. All, All right. right, well, that's, uh, that's eight albums. Uh, what is the ninth album? All right, so we're going to end it on a Christian theme. Okay, great. <laughs> Josh Garrell's The... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Love and War and the Sea in Between. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first Christian artist that I came to like. Uh-huh. I did not, as I said, I grew up Catholic. Catholicism's not known for worship bands. <laughs> or CCM or anything. Yeah, and so... Um, I think John Michael Talbot was like one of the mm-hmm. only I yeah. remember growing up yes. a Catholic artist. Right. That was everybody, everybody thought... And he's great. Yeah. He really is great. Yeah. And so I, to me, I think, like, people that grew up in that scene, it was easier for them to get into. I don't know. But for me, it was very hard to get into Christian music. Mm-hmm. And um, Josh Garrell is just can bridge that because he's just, like, so authentic. It's not worship songs in the traditional sense of, like, they weren't written to be sung congregationally at a mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. But his poetic the poetic way in which he weaves scripture and scriptural themes so effortlessly mm-hmm. into his music is phenomenal i think that he is an artist you ever listen to pray as you go ever, okay so there's a podcast called pray as you go it's okay. a jesuit yeah and i listen to most days yeah i listen to it most days as part of yeah and i think they they usually weave some kind of some kind of music in with mm-hmm. a scri- with a with a piece of scripture, and a lot of times, sometimes they'll use classical, yeah. like especially at Christmas time, they'll use yeah. Handel's Messiah and right, things right. like that. But I believe they've used Josh Carroll several yeah. times. I've heard that name many times on yeah. I think on that podcast. So good. I've seen him a couple times live, and both of which were just amazing. I saw him in Dallas, and I saw him in Minneapolis. Dallas? Did you? What were you doing? In My Dallas? parents lived in Dallas Your for parents. a while. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, definitely an artist I've heard of. Yeah. So the track's off that, Bread and Wine. Of course, the Catholic kids sing Bread and Wine. track. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, let's go with... Um, let's go with White Owl. Mm-hmm. Sound like Palomino. They trying to play Thoros has a White Owl, right. owl on the cover. That's true. I'm going to give a third one for him, sure, actually. Please. And that's Pilot Me. Oh, Mm-hmm. I've heard that one. Yeah. It's a cover? I, I, it, maybe it is. I don't know enough about contemporary Christian music. Well, I think that that's a... Um, is it the one... Like, Lord, please pilot. Yeah, I think say. that's actually a um, an older song. Mm. And I, I've heard... Yeah, I think we've done... I know John... Um, John Oakes has done it here. Okay. I've heard of yeah. it. Okay. Uh, if it's the same one I'm thinking yeah. of. All right, well, this is a, a great nine... We got something from Japan. We've got uh, we've got um, Wisconsin, Duluth, kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, great, great stuff. I'll look forward to listening into the the playlist that we put together. That will be linked with the episode. Uh, and again, as I said earlier, anybody from Res who wants to join me on yeah. the show would be great. And be, but let's listen into uh, to Brad's picks and see what you think. So, also now again. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you also get to leave a book mm-hmm. in the basement. 
Uh, many great books have been put. I put the Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. down there. Uh, not exactly a real uh, outsider pick. A lot of mm-hmm. people love that. Lord of the Rings is down there. Lots of others. I sent Brad a list. What's the book that you would want to uh, include? I had to read the list multiple times because I was shocked this book is not on the list. But The Brothers Karamazov, I figured sure. out. Uh, sorry, well, if you're down there for a year, that's, <laughs> that's a good one to take because yeah, it's, a, it's a long one. I've read it only once. but Me it, too. It's... Uh, <laughs> Have you ever read, uh, just curi- out of curiosity, The Brothers K, David no. James Duncan? Uh-uh. We'll talk about it off the air. Okay. Like, it's really good. Um, what do you love about The Brothers oh Karamazov? Oh, gosh. Yeah, so The Brothers Karamazov comes up all the time, and, like, it's if there's if you Google best novels of all time, yeah. Brothers Karamazov will be on that list. Yeah. And it's also something among, like, literary people that gets thrown out there and where people will bring up the name, and most people have not finished it all yeah. the way through. It's a long book. It is a long book. It's like twelve or 1,300 pages, and there's like there's an abridged copy, if that means anything, yeah. that is mm-hmm. like still 400 pages. It is, it's just phenomenal. I mean, like, it's so dense, it's hard to even say, but like some of the Christian themes in Brothers Karamazov, and I think that's the thing that I would say, Dostoyevsky's, own religious faith was very complicated to say the mm-hmm. least um but but it's just such a good christian book yeah mm-hmm. um it tackles modernism and this was in the 19th century um which was the very rationalist side of things just tackles sin ambition and um the figure of alyosha in there is just like such a just true testament to a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, and the mm-hmm. way in which Christianity can overcome other other ways of thinking by meekness mm-hmm. and by love and gentleness and patience mm-hmm. and not bashing things over the head, but mm-hmm. just showing up and being meek, gentle, and patient. It's just a phenomenal book. Yeah, and what's the famous line? If God does not exist, then anything, anything is, permissible. is permissible. Permissible, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the some of the great some of the ways that we think about, you know, growing up in the, uh, when you were mentioning about Josh Gerald's, Mm -hmm. I was, I've been talking a lot over the last few days to anybody who will listen to me Mm -hmm. uh, about a a documentary I just watched last weekend Mm -hmm. called The Jesus Music. Okay. And it's a Hulu, it's on Hulu, and it is about the arc of Christian contemporary music from about the time I was born, which is mid-70s, and it started actually where I was born, Orange yeah. County, California, yeah. Maranatha mm-hmm. praised Calvary Chapel, and how uh, it grew into an empire in the 80s with mm-hmm. Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, mm-hmm. and then went on to DC Talk and all these things. And one of the things that always is interesting to me about when we talk through whatever Christian art mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. is the different shades. And something like Brothers Karamazov having read it and having read a few of Dostoevsky's books, these complicated pictures that give us, I think, a a real sense of the depth of the gospel. Absolutely. Um, that is, t- I mean, there are great things about, you know, some of the music I grew up mm-hmm. listening to, those artists. Mm-hmm. What they don't have is, a, is to me, and some of them have, 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 have made strides, yeah. but really wrestling through these darker, yeah. difficult things in life. Yeah. And I think in general, American uh, evangelicalism doesn't really... Right. Uh, that's not something that comes as naturally for us. Yeah. Um, and so the grief... Right. You know, not a lot of mourning and not a lot right. of lament in, right. in our in our art. And so we see something like that, and I think we get more of those pictures. Yeah. Perhaps that's also because it's from an Orthodox perspective. I and from know. a Russian perspective. Russian perspective. Which is a little bit which interesting to whole, say right now. Which but is a whole other... <laughs> which yeah. we won't go into, but I think that yeah, Russian uh, literature absolutely. just in general... Um, absolutely. I, I heard this and kind of ending the book story on this but that this like meme that said the true prophet of the 19th century wasn't Karl Marx it was Dostoevsky mm-hmm. and I think there's so much truth to that yeah. well wrestling through those issues yeah and um and giving us pictures that are not easy mm-hmm. you know that aren't cookie cutter right well, that's a great book to include. I'm sure that our future guests in the basement will love that you yeah. left it. Um, what's your luxury item that you would take? This was the hardest part of the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's funny because some people it's the easiest, but some people it is the hardest. I have like my I'm... daughter, for instance, my daughter Corey, yeah. 
violin. Right. Because that's, you know, she plays violin, yeah. so it was easy for her. But, so like, so much of... First of all, I don't have a lot of, like, free time right uh-huh. now with yeah, my... Three lots with of young children. Young children. Um, and so much of what I do on free time is, like, whether I listen to books or read books, music... Um, or like go out in nature. So I'm like, what the heck would be a luxury item? And so what I, so what I'm honestly going to say I'd bring is a weighted blanket. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, there have been several people who have ma- mentioned things about sleeping. Okay. <laughs> not new. We've had a few pillows pop up. We've had, you know, things like that. So that's definitely something. Weighted blankets are, they just are so comforting, you know? <laughs> yes. I don't think I've ever actually used one. I can imagine that it would be probably something almost like a, like almost like a, you know, like a chiropractic. Right. Well, it's used a lot for anxiety too. Mm-hmm. Is and it kind of like with, uh, I hope you don't take this the wrong mm-hmm. way, but like something that I've seen, I have a dog who yeah. hates thunder. Oh, the thunder jackets? Yeah. Like Absolutely. Thund- yeah, yeah, it's the like exact same exact concept. Same Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brad, I really want to thank you for uh, making the trip back to Cross and talking with me. This has been really great to talk through not only this music, but some really other great issues to talk with you about. Thank you for some of your honesty about your vocation. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that's a blessing to people who listen, hearing a little bit about the work you do. Um, Again, for those of you listening who may be uh, our brothers and sisters at Resurrection Anglican, if you'd like to talk with me about music, I'll even let it be, you know, you're locked in the attic of Resurrection Anglican. I mean, I realize it's (laughs) an elementary school, but we'll just take... The cafeteria. Yeah, yeah, you're locked in the cafeteria. Uh, Just please email me, joel at ofthecross.org. Again, Brad, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on the 9th Avenue 9. It's a pleasure. So, Thunder Blankets, Nirvana, and Dostoevsky, deep stuff from our friend Brad. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you would like to join me, let me know. My email address, as I said before, is joel at ofthecross.org. Other topics are welcome. If you wanted to talk about movies or sports, something else, let me know. Until next time, the Lord is risen indeed, and the peace of the Lord be with you.